Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Great good afternoon to you and yours on another, hard to believe it's November, but it's a Chamber of Commerce day, not a cloud in the sky, it's beautiful. Hope you've had a chance to get out and enjoy it. It's Thursday, November 10th, the year 2022. LSU basketball gets off to a lukewarm yet winning start. The Pels get a much-needed win on the road to stay above 500. Kim Mulkey's got the top recruiting class in the country. What is the best bets in the SEC? Can Lane Kiffin finally master his master? And are the Tigers ripe for an upset? Plus, it's time to talk about the NFL and make some picks. It's all coming your way today as my main man, James Mesh, sits back in his chair inside that master control suite with about 10,000 buttons in front of him that he pushes and he he controls like um, like a fine pianist, right? And he's spinning the tunes, pushing all the right buttons, making sure everything runs smoothly and efficiently and professionally. He's in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 104.1 FM. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, you got a television set, get that remote control and bang, pop it on as we're simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. The Matt McMahon era started off with a, uh, yeah, lots of work to be done, 74-63 win over UM, University of Missouri, Kansas City. Um, it's called college basketball, and anything can happen. Uh, and the Tigers started off well, had a lull. Um, and finally put the ruse, the kangaroos, away. Full disclosure, my daughter had a basketball game last night. I didn't see one play or didn't see anything. Didn't listen, didn't see. So we're going to rely upon Sheldon Mickles to um, give us an idea on that. We'll begin the show with a preview of tonight's big, big matchup between Georgia Southern and the Raging Cajuns at Cajun Field. Both teams trying to get to that magical six-win mark. Georgia Southern with one win will get there. The Cajuns need two as this regular season comes to a grind. Um, And this will challenge, this game will challenge the Cajuns in the secondary, one of the more efficient passing teams in all of the group of five. So Corey Diaz will join us in a few to talk about that. We'll also be joined by Billy Enbody today as um, Kim Mulkey, um, who's well on her way to building another championship program. It all starts with recruiting, and she's got the nation's number one signing class. Yesterday was the first day of the early signing period for, for Hoops. 
Um, Matt McMahon got a couple of players as well. They also have softball and all those, everything but football. Everything but football. Speaking of football, the Tigers are putting their preparations in full gear. They will be traveling tomorrow to a very cold Fayetteville, Arkansas. Sam Pittman revealed uh, during yesterday's SEC teleconference call with the coaches that quarterback K.J. Jefferson is still battling a shoulder injury and is questionable for this week's game against LSU. Jefferson was banged up last week in the Hogs' loss to Liberty, where he completed 23 of 37 passes for 284 yards, two touchdowns, and two interceptions. Pittman said Jefferson threw some in Monday's practice, not much at all in Tuesday's. Not sure what happened yesterday, but if he's unable to go, backup quarterback Malik Hornsby will take over. He completed eight of 17 passes, for 234 yards, one touchdown, two picks, and ran for 114 yards last month in the Hogs' loss to Mississippi State. We'll have much more on this tomorrow, but two teams going in opposite, completely opposite and different directions when they meet Saturday in uh, in Fayetteville. Arkansas jumped off um, to a 3-0 and start with an impressive-looking win over Cincinnati. They were in the top 10 of the AP poll. Since that point in time, Arkansas has lost four of its last six, dropping ugly games to Liberty and to Mississippi State along the way. Too many turnovers and simple mistakes plaguing the Razorbacks. Two teams really going in complete and opposite directions. Um, LSU's the better team. We've said it all year long. They're the better team. They're the hotter team. They have more to play for. They are better coached. Question is, is that all going to be in their mind, between their ears? Do they realize that, and will they play that way and keep marching on their way to Atlanta? We shall see. The Pels got a much-needed win last night in Chi-Town, led by two at the half trailed by three after three and outscored the Bulls 36-29 in the fourth to win 115-111. Brandon Ingram led the way with 22. Jonas Valanciunas had a double-double with 21 points and 13 rebounds. Zion had 19-5. and Herb Jones had 17 points. Marshall, Hernan Gomez, who is great to have him back. Hernan Gomez had eight points in just 12 minutes. Very active, um, very decisive. Um, yeah, very good. Pels were pathetic from behind the arc. Three of 19, just 16%. But they shot 50% from the floor, 78% from the free, uh, free throw line, and they got the win. So the Pels are now 6-5, and five, and they got a nice little homestand uh, coming their way. So... Um, make hay while you can. DeMar DeRozan, such a good player. He led all scores with 33, 14 of 26. He is the master of the mid-range game. Absolutely amazing. Uh, around the world of sports, Nike and Kyrie Irving's relationship is over, likely over, says Phil Knight, um, the co-owner of the, uh, of Nike, um, Justin Verlander of the Houston Astros uh, has 
opted out of the last year of his deal with the Strohs, which was due to pay him $25 million in 2023. 39-year-old, the righty had one of the best seasons of his career last year with a 1.75 ERA, struck out 185 batters and 175 innings over 28 starts, finally got a win in the World Series, his first ever. And so now he's out there going, you know what? Um I'm betting on myself. I think I'm a pretty hot commodity, and I'm going to see what the market holds. Question is, will the Astros try and uh, and pony up? Uh, we shall see. It's the first day of the old hot stove league where free agency runs amok in Major League Baseball. Uh, meanwhile, while the Lakers still struggle, LeBron James exited their loss to the Clippers last night. With a groin injury, he lifted off the court with about five minutes, 41 seconds remaining in the fourth, grabbing his groin area. Um, team said he was dealing with left leg soreness. We will see. He's 37, and uh, he is, as he's got, gotten older, as we all do as we get older, uh, injuries tend to occur. That's all I can say. They tend to occur. All right. Um, so there's our guest list. Corey Diaz is up next. We will preview uh, one last time and get his thoughts on the Cajuns and the Eagles of Georgia Southern as this Thursday edition of the Jordy Heltberg Show presses onward. Now, if you're looking for some great stocking stuffers for the holiday season, look no further than the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. As a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to score excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou, or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House, or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great stocking stuffers by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free, it's simple, so go sign up today. Cages need a win tonight at home. We'll let you know if they will when we return here to the Jordy Helpert Show. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Another Thursday night edition of College Football in the Fun Belt, and uh, the old proverbial backs are to the wall for the Raging Cajuns. They're not going to be Western Conference champions this year, but they would love to get to six wins and get bowl eligible. they got to win two of their remaining games to do so. And though an opportunity presents itself tonight as Georgia Southern comes to Cajun Field, it'll be on ESPN2. Uh, and joining us now is the guy that covers the Cajuns inside and out for the Daily Advertiser and the USA Network, our good friend Corey Diaz. Corey, beautiful day, buddy. How you doing? Hey, Jordy. Doing very well. How are you guys today? We are terrific. Um, Georgia Southern's a good ball club. I think the Cajuns have their hands full. Where, where are we with this raging Cajun team right here and now, nine games under their belts? Well, you kind of said it uh, at the top there, Jordy. Um, I mean, I think the only way to, to describe where this team is uh, one week into the, the final month of the regular season is that they're scratching and clawing. Um, you know, I think even with, you know, even with obviously the, the, 
the turnover in the, in the coaching staff, um, and you know some of the some of the guys that they lost, uh, whether it be you know graduation or, or natural attrition or, or even transferring out. You know, I still think this this was a team and a program coming into this year um, with aspirations of you know being in the hunt uh, in the Sun Belt West uh, division. I think this was a team that had aspirations of. Certainly, I think, you know, nine, ten weeks into uh, the college football season would be already bowl eligible or literally needing one win maybe uh, to get to that point. And, and this is a team that hasn't really been up to that level. Um, and so this is a team that <laughs> literally has no margin for error, Jordy. Uh, you have to win tonight um, because I think we all can kind of see the writing on the tea leaves that uh, going into Tallahassee and beating a Florida State team that, that seems to be really hot right now is probably off the table. So you have to win tonight, and you have to win your regular season finale in San Marcos, which apparently, uh, if you, I guess if you ask Appalachian State, is a very tough place to play this year. Uh, so you have to win that game to be able to get the six wins. So um, they're scratching and they're clawing, man. So we'll see. Uh, kind of what they have for Georgia Southern tonight. Um, I think probably one of the most incredible coaching jobs I've seen in some time with what Clay Helton has done with that group. Took over a program that is, that was known for the option and completely overhauled everything, and, and their offense is, is chugging away, man. So um, it's going to be a tough test, uh, yeah. I think, offensively and defensively uh, for, for UL tonight. They uh, Georgia Southern throws it all around the yard, and Kyle Van Treese is one of those uh, impressive quarterbacks um, for first-year head coach Clay Helton. Seems like uh, this might be the best passing team the Cajuns have faced. I'm not sure, uh, but it'll certainly be a test for the secondary tonight. Yeah, I think that's a that's a fair assessment, Jordy. I, I don't think um, when you talk about you know, obviously, there's a lot that goes into throwing the football, right? Uh, from from timing and and efficiency, as you know, as well as arm strength and and you know, play design and play calling. But uh, I think from an efficiency standpoint, I don't I don't think I don't think Louisiana's seen anything like what they will see tonight. Now, now, you know, this for all intents and purposes, Jordy is going to be a strength versus strength uh, matchup tonight, which I'm really excited to see. Uh, you know, you got you got the Braylon Trahans and the Eric Dares and and uh, the Trey Amoses and the Cam Badescalos, you know, in the secondary for UL, and that's the strength of this team, I think, offensively or defensively. I would say pound for pound, this is probably their best unit on the team, and so you're going to get strength versus strength tonight. And so, um, you know, they're going to have to, you know, do what they've done for what seems like five years now, right? Find ways um, to create mistakes and turnovers uh, for the opposing offense, um, which that's something that, I think is really undervalued um, with Cal, uh, Cal Von Treese and what Georgia Southern does offensively is, man, they really take care of the football. They don't really uh, get themselves um, in bad situations. So Cajuns uh, are really going to have to force some things tonight. So um, we'll see if they're up for the challenge here in a few hours. One of the best things they have going in their favor is go looking at the stats, Georgia Southern's not very good at stopping the run. They allow 223 yards per game, 5.6 yards per attempt. It's nice to have a healthy Chris Smith back. Woolridge has shown his ability to run a little bit. The best way for the Cajuns to win, it seems to me, is run the ball, control the clock, keep that Georgia Southern passing game on the sidelines where they don't have the ball, and you just ground it, pound it, and eat up clock. Well, Jordy, you, you took the uh, you took you must have been uh, 
scouting my uh, my imaginary practices here because <laughs> in my in my brain, if I if I am man, if I am Des, I <laughs> even if I have to run the ball, you know, the first twenty plays offensively today, I'm doing it. Um, I just I don't envision a scenario in which I could comfortably believe I can win this game tonight and go out there and at not least uh, make Georgia Southern's defense prove to me that, that you, you know, maybe found somebody on campus this week that you signed up that can stop the run because I just, they just have so many holes, man, and they haven't been able to stop it all year long. And, 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 and you know, with, with Chris Smith, they, I think, is probably as healthy as he's been in several weeks now. Um, and the mm-hmm. offense from a, from a rushing game perspective, I'd say it's probably right now looking the best it's looked all year long. And, and I think, uh, you know, partial credit of that is, you know, I think Des has found something with Ben Woolridge, um, you know, kind of in that RPO slash, you know, zone right. read, um, zone read game, the little wrinkle that they have in their offense. And so, um, you know, the, the run game's been kind of really been efficient so far these last two weeks and um, it's almost perfect timing. So, I, you know, if I'm, if I can, if I can run the ball 20 straight plays, uh, keep Georgia Southern's offense on the sideline. They can't score if they're standing over there. And so um, that would be my game plan. Uh, so we'll see. We'll see what uh, Desimo and then the staff does tonight offensively. But I, I really do feel like that's the best uh, recipe uh, for a victory tonight is, is keeping them on the sideline, their offense, that is, keeping your offense on the field, standing drives, you know, third and ones, third and twos, picking those up uh, with the run game, keeping the clock going. And, uh, you know, win this thing 14 to 10 and, and get out of there and you keep your yeah. bowl game hopes alive. No doubt. Sometimes those those old quarterbacks that take over teams, they, they want to kind of prove it to the other guy that we can still throw it against you. But I, I think you're, you're spot on on this thing. Um, maybe it's a special team play that determines the outcome uh, of this one. But you, but you got to take you got to control the clock. <laughs> You got to control the um, number of plays that you have as compared to theirs, and hope that your secondary can come up, like you said, uh, with a play or two that can turn this thing. Because um, crowd support hadn't been there, has it? It's been kind of disappointing, hasn't it? Yeah, I would. I think. Um, I think the announced attendance uh, for Saturday against Troy was, I believe, seven thousand eight hundred and eighty-eight. And I think I heard some folks talking uh, that that was, you know, again, by the books, you know, what what they have uh, accounted for. Um, I think that was the worst attended home football game at Cajun Field since 1998, I believe, Um, Mm. which is uh, just remarkable, just a remarkable stat. Um, And with with tonight being a Thursday night game, uh, you know, I know these are TV deals, and, and the Sunbelt Conference, you know, the office, they, you know, they love these things. Um, but, uh, you know, I've had fans reach out to me even before the football season even started and, and, you know, wanted me to ask the commissioner about these midweek games and how can we get it, you know, get the number of them down, you know, to, to at least one, you know, per team or something for, for right. the year. And uh, so you don't know what you're going to get on these midweek games in terms of, uh, you know, attendance and crowd support. Um, but, you know, if you're a player, man, you can't, especially especially in the very specific situation that UL is in right now. You're four and five. There's three games left on the schedule. One of those is a, is, I would call a 98.99 percent loss um, at mm-hmm. this point. You got to win two of those three. You can't, whether it's 
12 people in the stands or 12,000. You cannot right. get distracted by that. You got to stay, you got to stay focused and, and stay on the task at hand. And uh, you got to go out there and try to win a football game. You're absolutely, you're absolutely right. So when push comes to shove, does the passing team win or does the running team win? Well, um, you know, I, I just think what Georgia Southern is doing right now offensively, um, I just, from an efficiency standpoint, um, you know, I, I see them coming out uh, on top tonight over over Louisiana at home. Uh, okay. I just, you know, offensively, I, you know, I thought in the fourth quarter um, against Troy, you know, the defense, UL's defense really needed the offense to just to just piece a drive or two together. You know, pick up a first down, let it let it instead of being a three and out, you know, let it be a six play drive and then punt. Um, you know the offense right now. Uh, just I don't have faith. Um, I think okay. Wooldridge has has done a, a just a tremendous job since he's come in and taken over as the full time quarterback for the Cajuns. Uh, I I know he has the ability, um, you know, to obviously kind of open this thing up. You know, whether it be with his legs or with his arm in the play action pass or zone read game. Um, but they're just the consistency just hasn't been there enough for me to. To say that gotcha. I, I think that they'll win, um, okay. I would not be surprised if they won tonight. But I don't, you know, if you're asking me who wins at this point, yeah. I, you know, I'm going yeah. with the Eagles. But I do think it'll be a close game, and um, you know, I just you need to see that consistency. You need to see that that ability to sustain drives offensively for UL, um, and you you need to see it. You need to see it early. Again, if if they come out and run the football and, and let let Georgia Southern. Um, not necessarily dictate what they call offensively, but at least give Georgia Southern, you know, the chance to prove them what they know about them wrong. Um, you know, if they try to go away from the game plan, uh, you know, this thing could get, you know, it could get sideways pretty quick. So you, you really need to kind of trust your eyes, I think. Um, and um, that's that's going to be the best way that the, that UL has a chance to win tonight. Sounds good to me, Corey. Enjoy the ball game at Cajun Field. Thank you so much for your help as always, and we look forward to reading all about it tomorrow. Thank you, my friend. My man, appreciate you guys. Y'all take care. All right. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. You know, your Alexa or Google Home speaker, you know, it helps you around the house. It allows you to control your lights, your thermostats, and a whole heck of a lot more. I love my Alexa, by the way. Did you know it can also play the game? Just ask your Alexa or Google Home to play the game, Southwest Louisiana. It's that easy. So do the smart thing and have the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles with you at your office, your home, everywhere you go. Tigers win the opener for Matt McMahon. Sheldon Mickles of The Advocate will join us next. Tell us uh, it's a very, very small sample size, but tell us what he saw and what he thinks about this year's hoops team in Baton Rouge. That's coming your way next here. On the Jordy Helpert Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. Welcome back. 32 minutes after the hour on this Thursday, November 10th, the year 2022. LSU rolled the balls out, the opening game of the college basketball season as uh, Missouri-Kansas City came to the Pete Maravich Assembly Center. Tigers uh, under first-year head coach Matt McMahon 
get the win, 74-63. As I said earlier, full disclosure, my daughter's a senior in high school. She plays basketball. They had a little uh, a jamboree last night. I didn't see one play, didn't hear one word from the LSU game, so I got to go to the source who sees them all the time, goes to all the press conferences. That's the longtime terrific writer, uh, Sheldon Mickles of The Advocate. Sheldon, kind enough to join us. My friend, how are you? Very good, Jordy. How are you doing today? Good, man. Every, t- every time you hear a horn honk and you're walking, that, that 90% of the time, that's me honking the horn at you over there uh, in the old subdivision, Hickory Ridge, okay? Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, congratulations on your daughter playing high school basketball and being a senior. That must mean you're uh, you're about 40 now, huh? <laughs> okay, well, that's been a fun interview because – Sheldon just lied. He's got to go to confession now. Um, all right, let's get down to this. 74-63. It's the opener. Um, he, everybody knows the story. He, Matt McMahon's hired. He's got no players. He's got no coaches. He's got to assemble things. So it's going to be a process. It's going to take time. For, from what you saw, what, what, give me your thoughts on this team early, early on. Well, early, early on, usually, uh, early, early on, usually means about a thirty, a forty-point win, and uh, but you know you can't you can't jump to conclusions on this team. Um, you know they've been you know playing together since June uh, when they all got got here for you know summer school. So they've been playing together, and and Justice Hill talked about that the other day. We had him in the news conference on Tuesday. And he said, you know, we've, we've been playing quite a while together over the summer. So, you know, and then they had full-scale workouts for the last month and a half or so. But, um, you know, it's still going to take time. I mean, you had yeah. a guy like Adam Miller who hadn't played in a, a real game in about 16 months, uh, going back to that uh, U-20 World Cup team or whatever it was right. called uh, over in uh, overseas. So he played in July of 2021. Um, and then you have these guys that, uh, you know, came from all over the place. Three guys from Murray, one from Mississippi State, one from North Carolina State. So you, you, you blend in a whole bunch of guys together and then along with four freshmen who are coming from all different parts of the country. So it, it's, I think it's going to take a little bit of time. And uh, as Matt McMahon said last night after the game, you know, he, he didn't want to make excuses. But, you know, he said, uh, you know, that, the, the, the normal thing is, uh, a natural thing is for those guys to come out and say, hey, we want to want to be up by 40 points, you know, four minutes into the game. And he right. said it just doesn't work that way. So no. you know, he, he thinks the players are a little, you know, excited and stuff like that. But, I mean, I, I, I thought, you know, um, they couldn't shake uh, uh, a Kansas City team that – you know, lost by three points to a Division Two team on Monday night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that that was the downside of it. But you know, they never trailed in the game. They uh, the closest uh, I think it was that uh, Kansas City got was uh, in the second half got within five with about uh, five fifty seven to go, I believe. And then LSU kind of played a little bit more defense in the last six minutes. Uh, Missouri hit uh, Kansas City hit just one of eight field goals down the stretch and scored just two points. Now, the bad part of that was LSU didn't protect the ball or handle the ball very well. 
uh, had a few turnovers and committed some silly fouls, as McMahon said. And, uh, uh-huh. you know, it kind of put, put Kansas City on the line a little bit and gave them a chance to, uh, you know, stay in the game. And then, uh, but LSU kind of ha- had them at arm's length, I would say, in that right. last uh, five, six minutes. So, point, all in all, I mean, what I was impressed with uh, was, you know, the three main guys, Adam Miller, K.J. Williams, and Justice Hill. I thought all three played very well. I'm going to give you a stat in a minute. But uh, all three, I thought, played very well. If you had told me, Sheldon Mickles of The Advocate, that this team named Missouri-Kansas City, which I'd never heard of before, would come in and shoot 33% from the field, 16% from three-point land, and 78% from the free-throw line, I'd have told you, well, LSU's going to cover, and they're going to win by 30. But but they didn't. So um, it seems to me you mentioned the top three, but sometimes it takes more than that. Um, Matt McMahon always says he wants to play eight players. He, they had some foul trouble, apparently. But really, only eight players got double-digit playing time minutes couple others got two minutes two minutes five minutes so basically he played eight um was the offense just stagnant are they a good shooting team they were they shot the ball well early but they wound up shooting uh i think it was 42 percent for the game 43 percent but they they were they were better than that early on and i i think part of that was the foul trouble they got into and he was mixing players in and out early uh, he he went to the bench early, uh, mm-hmm. and he got. Uh, in fact, he had played eight players, I think, by like the 15 minute mark of the first half. So wow. I, I I think he was trying to look for some things and uh, just trying to you know uh, kind of not pick and choose his spots, but he had his rotation kind of in mind, and I think it kind of got blown up a little bit when they got some early fouls. So uh, that was. I think that was a bad thing. Uh, they fouled uh, 23 times, um, and they had 15 turnovers in the game. So I, yeah, I think those good. are the two, two, two things that he's going to yeah. probably drill down on in the next two days of practice. In the next couple, when you get against good teams, those are recipes for disaster. Arkansas State coming to uh, Pete's Palace uh, Saturday, 5 o'clock tip. Um, I'm just curious, from me to you, um, how different does this team look in its approach, its style, as compared to what LSU looked like under Will Wade? Is there a big difference there? Um, I think uh, offensively, and, you know, one of the things, I, I forgot to mention this, and I don't know if you heard his comments at all last night, Matt McMahon's comments at all last night, but uh, Kansas City played a lot. Uh, Their the name is officially Missouri in Kansas City, but they go by Kansas City. I think okay. they they kind of want to, like you know, not separate, but uh, but they 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 call Kansas City. Um, the thing the thing that he talked about was they played a lot of zone, and that, I kind of I think I don't know if that's you know threw a, a monkey wrench into their plans, but a lot of teams you know don't see that anymore uh, as much zone, uh, and I think that kind of maybe. Maybe they weren't ready for it. Maybe, you know, they didn't know much about Kansas City. But I think that may have had a little bit to do with their problems as well. But, uh, okay. yeah, the, the one thing I noticed is that they just don't uh, – they're just not as fast as uh, up-tempo as Will Wade's okay. team. They, uh, you know, he wanted to go up and down the court. 
and uh, they're a little bit more deliberate. I, I noticed as a, you know at, at last night's game, uh, a little bit more deliberate on def- on offense and uh, defense. Um, no, it's hard to tell. You know how good they're going to be. You know a month from now, two months from right. now. But uh, yeah. I, I, like I said, I thought they, in that last six minutes or so of the game, I thought they played a lot better defense. Um, I don't know if it was uh, a sense of urgency or what, but uh, mm-hmm. that Kansas City was getting close. But they started playing a little bit better uh, on we defense. Sheldon, we had a caller that uh, asked if I would ask you why Tyrell Ward did not play in last night's game. And I, I have no idea. He he mentioned last night after the game uh, that it was he, he said it's hard to play more than eight or nine players, and he played I guess thirteen uh, or twelve. He played twelve. Uh, right. I think he played eleven or twelve. Um, Cornelius Cornelius Williams in play as well. I think he might be still hurt a little bit. But uh, Terrell Ward, somebody specifically asked about him in the news conference, and he said it was because he was, you know, he tried. He had to play so many players, and I guess Terrell Ward maybe I don't know if he's, you know, who knows? He he could be injured, you know, or he might be uh, just a little banged up or something, but. I don't. I don't think there's any problem there or anything. Gotcha. I just think gotcha. that maybe he just didn't think. But um, one one thing I wanted to, before I forget about it. Um, yeah. The three guys I told you about. Uh huh. Justice Hill, when he was on the floor, uh, LSU outscored KC fifty six to forty one. So that's a All plus right. fifteen. KJ yep. Williams is on the floor. They outscored KC seventy two to fifty nine. So that's a plus hmm. thirteen, and when yeah. Adam Miller was on the floor, they outscored him sixty three fifty two. So that's a plus eleven. So you that's can see good. where those three guys affected the game. Uh, yeah. Just looking at those numbers, but I mean Adam Miller. I mean, really. I mean, he shot. Um, you know, it's kind of surprising me that you know he 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 didn't show any rust or anything. In fact, I asked Matt McMahon about that after the game. That that you know how impressed was he? And of course. He's been seeing him in practice over the last six mm-hmm. weeks. But, you know, Adam Miller shot uh, six of 14 from the field, four of nine from three-point range. So uh, yeah, you can see that he was uh, very effective. K.J. Williams going to have to get some help on the boards, man. He's uh, he, he's a double-double guy for sure, 13 and 14 rebounds. But he's going he's gonna to need some help on the boards there, and they got to stop fouling, um, and they – Got to protect the basketball a little bit better, but it's just one game. There's, I mean, there's a lot, lot of basketball left, and we just got to give this team time to gel and get together and for the coach to find out who he can trust and who's going to have yeah. to sit on the bench. So it's, it's, yeah. it's, that, that's what we'll find out, and you'll be there for all of them. So, Sheldon, thank yeah, you, man. Keep, keep up the great <laughs> well, work. Hey, one thing about K.J. Williams, you talk about he had 14 rebounds. A guy that you know really should have helped in rebounding was Kendall Coleman. He played five, a little over five minutes and had two rebounds. So yeah. you have to hope that maybe he can – he's a rebounding machine. So you hopefully maybe he could come in there and help. And also Jalen Reed is a 6'10 kid who should be able to rebound too. So I think they'll be better little, in the, in the uh, coming weeks and months. I'm, I'm a little spoiled, Sheldon. My first game, I think I had 28 points, and some guy <laughs> next to me had 32 rebounds. I know what you're so say. I'm a little I know spoiled. What Okay. Rudy Macklin had 32 rebounds. <laughs> yeah, he took the headlines from me. 
I'm a freshman scoring 28, and he comes up with – I said, could you get 32 the next game, please? He said, no, couldn't do it. So, anyway. Yeah, he wasn't, uh, he wasn't bad, was he? Was and you not bad either. at all. Sheldon, thank you, man. Great talking to you. Um, the season has begun. Have fun. All right, man. Anytime. Give me a call. You got it, buddy. Take care. Sheldon right. Mickles right, talking LSU basketball. 74-63 winners over UM. Kansas City. Meanwhile, off the court, both the men's and women's basketball teams, um, early signing period started yesterday. Billy Embody will join us to talk about the number one recruiting class in the country on the women's side and how Matt McMahon fared as well when we return to the Jordy Helpert Show here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Every day is a Chamber of Commerce kind of day when you're listening to the Jordy Holberg Show. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. So we're back 49 minutes after, 48 minutes after the hour, give or take a second or two. Uh, both the LSU men's and women's basketball team got off to a, a winning start. At the beginning of their season, but both schools, uh, both classes seem to be winning in the recruiting front. Billy Embody, who covers LSU for at Bengal Tiger on three, kind enough to join us to give us the latest in recruiting. And uh, I mean, every coach on that campus seems to be able to get good players. Uh, Kim Mulkey right there at the top of the of the list. Apparently, she's got the number one player in the country coming and the number one class coming this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's done a terrific job, hasn't she? I mean, just putting together what is a unbelievable class, a number one uh, ranked class in the country. And it's, you know, just a testament to what she's done throughout her entire time. I mean, it's, it's there's no surprise that, uh, you know, she is able to continue to do this and do that at a, at a high level. Um, it's what she's done her entire career. And, you know, you've got to give her credit. I mean, she just is, is stacking talent uh, in Baton Rouge. Um, the last time I remember LSU getting a player that, that, that highly thought of was Simone Augustus, but this Michaela Williams out of Parkway High School in Louisiana, Bossier City, a six-foot guard. Have you seen her play? I've not seen her play outside of the highlights that I've seen on, on uh, uh, online, okay. and she's just unbelievable. I mean, she's going to make this team go uh, at, a, at a really um, high level. I mean, gold medalist. Uh, at the FIBA Under-17 World Cup, physical guard um, from what what uh, our, our good friend Matthew Bruni has uh, you know, shared with me. He's watched a lot of uh, women's basketball under Kim Mulkey mm-hmm. and, and a lot of their recruits as well. And uh, I tell you what, I mean, she's just so highly thought of. You can really tell that uh, she's going to be a good one for, for Kim Mulkey and somebody who could step in right away and, and you know, quite honestly lead this team and you know, have SEC title and, and national championship on their mind. Billy Embody with us. On the men's side, a couple of uh, signatures as the early signing period for every sport other than football uh, took place yesterday. How would you sum up what Matt McMahon has done early on in this recruiting class? Yeah, I think he swung for the fences, and, and we saw them miss on a, on a good number of guys. And And you know what? It, it, it's happened. It, it, it happens. Mm-hmm. And um, I think for him and his staff, they, one, don't have many spots to begin with. So they 
wanted to go out and go after the best players in the country that they felt they can get and see what they could come up with. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they land Corey Chest, a New Orleans native, a four-star, top 100 prospect, um, who's going to come in and provide a really athletic forward uh, presence in that front court. And then they go out and late in the you know cycle, a couple days before the early signing period began, they went out and got Mike Williams, who has jumped all the way up uh, as into the um, he's number 101 for us overall uh, okay. in the on three top 150 players. So kind of a Brandon Murray like jump uh, again, kind of a combo shooting guard. Um, but I was watching a lot of uh, you know his AAU and high school program social media as he committed, and they raved about him. And hmm. it's a lot of coaches will say good things, but you don't always see it on that level. And I thought that stood out to me more than anything. And in, in, in terms of um, how uh, they you know see him and and what type of person they're bringing in, I think that's important to Matt McMahon as he dives into you know building this roster for the long term and not just through a good number of transfers and right. um, you know setting the, the the early part of it. And it's fair to say, I mean, Kim Mulkey came in here with a, with a reputation. You know, she's got national championships. Uh, it, it's fair to say people are going to wait and see how Matt McMahon does in the SEC before these players start coming in. Uh, I, I think that's a fair assessment. No, and it's not a knock on Matt McMahon, but he's you know he's coaching at Murray State now. He's coaching in the SEC. That's a whole different ball game. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think that's a fair you know, take to, uh, to have, you know, a lot of people are going to look at, um, how they do this year. Um, how does, and, and Louisville just dealt with this, uh, you know, just like LSU did for quite some time, people are going to be, um, you know, trying to figure out what's going to happen with the, um, with the sanctions. If there are any, um, come up with different ways to negatively recruit them until there's a decision made, that's something that's still hanging over the program. It's not necessarily an excuse. We've seen other programs land high-profile players since you know they were under their own investigation. Um, but the big thing here is that they were able to retool the roster and get in a place where they feel good enough about the group they have. It's not going to be perfect. It's going to be um, it's going to be a process to get them uh, to really be in a place where they can um, feel good about themselves. It's right. going to, it's going to take, I think until conference play to really gel. And then from there they can kind of build into either, you know, a middle of the pack team probably, or mm-hmm. jump up and, and say, you know what, we're going to surprise and kind of challenge for this. Yeah. Uh, it, it's patience, basketball fans, patience. Um, Rome was not built in a day as they say. So, so we'll see. Uh, but old Mulkey keeps on keeping on. I, I, I said it before. I want I want somebody to rank these coaches as recruiters, and that's a that's a tough one. What Brian Kelly's done, Jake Johnson's done, Kim Mulkey's done, Matt McMahon. Rank them in order, and I, I mean I think there's an argument anybody could go in any different direction because they're all good. Yeah, they are. I will I will go ahead and take a stab at it. I'm going to go go Mulkey, Jay yep. Johnson, Brian Kelly. Um, and uh, Matt McMahon. That's okay. the order I'm going to I'm going to roll with. That I would be I, I my pick as well. Get blamed online for that one, but <laughs> no, no. I, that's, Honestly, that's, I mean, I think Mulkey, that's good. 
I think Kim Mulkey and Jay Johnson are just at another level. Sometimes being number four ain't so bad. It still means you're pretty darn good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, all right, yeah, Billy. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time, man, and uh, keep up the great work at On Three, please. Awesome. Will do. Thank you, Jordy. Right, I appreciate buddy. you Thank having you. me on. Always. Our pleasure. Uh, it'll be an NFC South grudge match tonight on Thursday Night Football as the Atlanta Falcons travel to Charlotte to take on the Carolina Panthers. Pre-game begins at 7, kickoff set for 7.15. You can listen to it all live here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Come on, Carolina. Do us a favor once. Just play well. Atlanta, do your typical Atlanta thing and, and choke. Please, come on. Come on, Panthers. Do me a favor. All right, coming up, hour number two of the program, we'll take you around SEC with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Get his thoughts on ooh, um, LSU traveling to Arkansas. Still, This is what kills me because everybody's still reveling and talking about what happened last Saturday. It, it'll all be for naught if you don't win this Saturday. It'll all be done. So, man, we got to focus in, get our mindset on the hogs, man. I'm telling you. Um, and then Frank Schwab will join us for his NFL picks. Our number two straight ahead here on the Jordy Helpert Show. Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. It's hour number two of two, and away we go on a gorgeous Thursday, November 10th, the year 2022. We talked a lot of uh, college basketball in hour number one. We talked about the UL Raging Cajuns trying to get a win at home tonight against Georgia Southern. A very important game for both clubs as the college football season is winding down and unbelievable games are yet ahead of us. So much to play for. It's time for the one and the only Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart, to kind of sort it all out. Good afternoon, Tony. How are you, my friend? Good afternoon, Jordy. I'm doing fine as we get ready for week 11. Week 11. Hunker down, you Georgia Bulldog. Boy, did they send a message, huh? I was there. It was, uh, I've been going there a long time, and that was as loud for as long as I can ever remember. They started at, at the kick and never let up. And uh, Tennessee was a little bit over. Tennessee's a good team. Don't get me yeah. wrong. You've seen them up close and yep. personal. But Georgia was, uh, I don't think anybody in the country could have beat Georgia that night. Did Georgia get the earth to shake like LSU did not once but twice? You talk about a loud crowd. How about that one? Well, I don't know that we have a seismograph anywhere near Stanford <laughs> Stadium, but uh, it was that it was that kind of noise. And look, Kirby, Kirby, Coach Kirby Smart said before the game, he told he called out his fans. He says, "Look, when you leave the stadium Saturday night, if you can talk, you haven't yelled loud enough." Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, Georgia, well deserving of the number one spot in the uh, week two of the college football playoff poll. Uh, but I still think Tennessee's in great shape. If I, I've said this all week, and I'm gonna get you because you're 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 the man. If I'm the Big Ten commissioner, I go tell Ohio State and Michigan. I say, guys, 
we got to play this game earlier in the season. So whenever, if when one of y'all loses, you got mm-hmm. a chance to build back your resume. You lose yep. the last week of the year, you're done. Well, I think what they're going to they're going to do like most conferences in in the new world order, they're going to do away with divisions, yeah. which is probably a smart thing to do. Uh, but yeah, those kind those kind of get, there is a case to be made for your rivalry game to be earlier in the season instead of later. <laughs> I'm with you. Um, Tennessee's still in great shape, aren't they, at number five? I think they're in great shape at number five. Obviously, at number five, uh, Ohio State and Michigan, one of those is going to lose on, right. on uh, November 26th. Is it, a, is it a given that Tennessee will move into the fourth spot, uh, given where everything else? I, I, just, think, I just think it's going to be – here's what I think is going to happen. Okay. I, I think Tennessee will be there. Uh, I think Texas TCU is going to lose. If not this Saturday against Texas, uh, they're going to lose the following Saturday against Baylor. So I'm I think, you. I think, but but, but you me. know, you know, Jordy, <laughs> there's going to be a 12 and one. There'll be a 12 and one conference champion, maybe in the ACC. There'll be a 12 and one conference champion, maybe in the Big 12, and there may be a 12 and one conference champion, and, and it might be Oregon. Yep. In the Pac-12, and are they going to put a twelve and one conference champion? Because the committee tells us being a conference champion is a big deal. Will they put them ahead of Tennessee? Here's let's let's just let's just really have chaos, okay? Let's say LSU runs the table, mm-hmm. Georgia runs the table. Those two meet in the SEC championship game, and some. Fate of, of miraculousness, LSU beats Georgia. So yep. LSU's the SEC champ. They got the best win of the year because they beat the number one team in the country. Yep. Georgia's got one loss. Tennessee's got one loss. TCU loses. Let's say Michigan gets blown out by Ohio State. Three SEC teams in it? I raised this issue about a month ago. Uh, and said it was absolutely possible, and it is absolutely possible. But I will say this. I've seen this committee work for a long time. I know some of the people on the committee. Yeah, I think if they sit in that room, they said, come on, guys, there is no way. We can't – we cannot put three we, – we get beat up when we put two teams from the SEC in. Can you imagine putting three in? So, the but, only good thing about that, Jordy, is that the next day – we will have a 12-team conference right. uh, college no football doubt. playoff. The next but you look day. At it, you look at it, you say, okay, well, how do you, how do we figure this out? Because Tennessee went to Baton Rouge and blew them out. Yep. Tennessee went to Georgia. Georgia blew them out. And then LSU beat Georgia in the SEC. How do we pick? In Atlanta. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I know. And I, and I, it's, it's just a, what we call a general principle. Tennessee, right. we we know you deserve to be in there, and you've got the resume. But we ain't gonna put three <laughs> SEC teams in. We're just not gonna do it. You'll you'll just have to be mad. I'm with you. I understand. Go, go, to, the, go to the Sugar Bowl. That's your that's, that, right. that's your runner up prize. Not too bad either. Not too bad. Yep. Tony Barnhart with us. Um, why are people saying that? The, the demise of the Alabama football team. It's all the, the dynasty. Good. Why are they saying that? What a terrible season they've had. My word. They lose at Knoxville in overtime by two. They lose in Baton Rouge in overtime by mm-hmm. one. Oh, the, it's over. Nick Saban's it's over. done. It's what? 
No, yeah, I, 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 well, we're from football to politics. Everybody, there's a definitive thing. It's got to be a storyline coming out of it, and the only storyline is the Nick Saban dynasty is obviously over. You know, <laughs> oh come on, hey, Alabama, it, it's a long shot. It's a long shot. LSU would have to do a total collapse, right? But Alabama could get back in this thing if LSU decides they forget how to play against Arkansas and Texas A and M. So Alabama is still uh, in this thing. Let me ask you this. you um, There's all these players up there for the Heisman Trophy. I would put Jaden Daniels' numbers with any oh, of yeah. them. And LSU's number seven in the country. Shouldn't he get a little bit of love and a little bit of a mention there? Sure, sure. And, and you know what? If, if LSU runs a table and beats Georgia in Atlanta, he'll get a lot of attention. Yeah. Because he'll sure. do it on national t- – listen – the Heisman Trophy is won in the last two weeks of the season, okay? And all this other stuff is just discussion. And Jaden Daniels will get an absolute look, assuming he plays well down the stretch. And if they were to beat Georgia, oh, my goodness. Um, LSU goes from 102,000 people at night, unbelievable atmosphere. They're heading to Fayetteville. Um, I don't know what the crowd's going to be like. I know it's going to be a little bit colder than it is in Baton Rouge. Um, two teams going in completely different directions. Mm-hmm. Arkansas started off three and zero, good win against Cincinnati. They've lost four of their last six, including Liberty and Hugh Freeze just recently. Yep. KJ Jefferson's he going to play? Uh, LSU can't be as high emotionally, but how do you see this game coming? What concerns me now? Listen, I think LSU's going to win the game, but the the smart guys in Vegas have got LSU as a whopping three-point favorite to beat, to beat Arkansas. Amazing. I saw that number. I went, what, what? in the world are they yeah. – They and I guess they're thinking that LSU is going to come out flat. Uh, the, it's 11 o'clock in the morning for crying right. out loud. Right. It's all, they put it all together, and, you know, that that's just uh, – this, this will show me an awful lot about Brian Kelly, the coach. Yeah, it's it's easy to coach him up at night against Alabama with that crowd. Mm-hmm. Now the next week, and, and I've always been of the belief: don't have the bye week before Alabama, have the bye week after Alabama. Mm-hmm. Nobody's ever going to listen to me. Um, but that's how I've all I've been saying that for forever and a day now. But um, LSU's better, but we'll see if the, it's all between the ears, Tony. Isn't yeah. it? It's the toughest part about coaching is get getting as you say you can get you I can get up a team I can get them up to play Alabama yeah. on national TV you on wouldn't Tiger have gone Stadium for t- on Saturday night you I promise you I could get them up for that you wouldn't have gone for two Tony you'd have kicked the extra point no I'm going for that I'm going for that two point conversion all the way it was a great great call even yeah. if it doesn't work you you're a hero because yes. my new coach was being yes. aggressive and he knew to slay the dragon. You can't do what's predictable. Yeah, you got to step it. outside your. I thought it was a great call. I love you, Tony, because you tell it like it is. I I agree. Now Alabama loses a heartbreaker, and Ole Miss has a week off. They're heading into Oxford. Um, can Lane Kiffin finally slay the dragon? Lane, I think Lane could could slay the dragon. I'm interested in that that uh, that the number on this game is 13. I went. Wow, it's another it's another head scratcher. But you know that Lane would love nothing more, yeah, 
than, than to do this. And he's, his team is still mathematically in this thing. Yeah. Now they won't be if they lose this game, but uh, yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the other thing. Lane has seen the film of the Alabama LSU game from the other night. And yeah. he knows some stuff that Alabama doesn't like to defend. He already knew that, but now he's got the, he's got another game tape. And I, I just think it's as my dear friend Lee Corso would say, it's just going to be closer than the expert. <laughs> I don't think Jackson Dart is the same as Jaden Daniels um, as far as being yeah. able to run. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not selling. Uh, not selling Nick Short just yet, man. Who who wins this battle of the bums this year? Texas A&M at Auburn. Mm. Man, who who are you picking I- in that one? I, I like I like Auburn in this game for yes. one reason, and that's that Auburn's kids are going to be excited and want to play for Carnell Williams because okay. they did it last week. Yep. They lost a tough game to uh, Mississippi State. Uh, where in the world is Texas A&M? Their players, where is their head? Okay, they've only lost five in a row from a team that was picked in the top ten by everybody on the planet, mm-hmm. and, and, and Jimbo's having to repeat. He's having to repeat the same talking points week after week after week. It's awful. Got to get it. Got to get better offense, defense, kicking game. Oh, no, no, no. But what are you going to say? Yeah. We're not very good. We're not very good. And I'm not coaching them very very well. (laughs) I mean, that's what, that's the honest answer. I would say, go ahead and cut me loose. Oh, yeah. But I want the money up front. Let's go. Come on, all you oil people. Get the money and we'll go you from there. Me, if you want me to go, I can give you 85 million good reasons <laughs> for me to go. <laughs> um, any word, any inside skinny on what's happening in uh in on the plains of Auburn? No, but I think I think everybody you talk to and everybody, all the talking heads that I see pretty much do it like they say, okay. First call is Lane Kiffin. Okay. Make his agents say no. Just make it simple. Make him say no. Jimmy Sexton. Then you okay. you move on either to Deion Sanders or Hugh Freeze, and you go there. And those are the ones that you hear from the most. I don't know if a guy like Matt Rule would be interested in the quirkiness of that Auburn job. Although they got plenty of money, they got yeah. plenty of money, and they got the facilities. I don't think he needs that much money. I think uh, the Panthers uh, are paying him a hefty sum already. But the the whole dynamic of Deion Sanders and Hugh Freeze. Both would be good fits for that job for different reasons. Yeah, uh, and it would just it would just and you know the question is Hugh Freeze has got some baggage has Who enough doesn't? time. Listen, everybody gets rehabilitated sooner Who or later. Yeah, you know every, everybody goes through this kind of stuff. But I know this: Hugh Freeze is a good football coach, and yeah. it, that his one loss his one loss this year was at Wake Forest. Right when Wake Close. Forest had all their players. He went for a two-point conversion to yep. win the game right there, and didn't and didn't make it. And so if, his and, and they haven't lost again. If Hugh Freeze would have spent one year in the rehab program known as Alabama football, then went to Liberty, oh, he could have he'd have any job he wanted. Yep, he, he really would. I I really believe Matt Rule's going to gut um become try to become the savior at Nebraska. I really do. I'd be an interesting interesting fit. Yep. I mean, Baylor, I mean, I mean, look what he did, Baylor, and Nebraska, I mean, Nebraska yeah. got a great history, just need to get the right guy that can can get the the, the black shirts back and those big mm-hmm. old offensive linemen. I mean, it's still pretty good. Um, 
boy, I hope for chaos. I got chaos with Clemson getting knocked out. I thought that was great. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the LSU winning. I mean, it was a, it was good. It was really, really good. Who's on the outside of that final four group that you think really has uh is it Tennessee a legit chance to get in? Is there anybody Tennessee else? Tennessee has a legit chance to get in, but keep your eye on Oregon. Okay. Oregon runs the table, beats USC, beats UCLA, wins the Pac-12 championship. Their only their only loss, and it's a big one, yeah. was to Georgia. Yeah, first number week. one team in the country. And it was Dan Lanning's first game. And they've had a chance to rehab their they, schedule. Yeah. Uh, and I'm so, yeah, I, I'm just telling you, if, hey. if Oregon goes 12-1 and one and wins the Pac-12 championship, there'll be a yeah. lot of pressure to put yeah. them in. Boy, is that a classic example of what the transfer portal can do for somebody? Boy, Bo Nix just needed to change the scenery. Look how great that kid is playing. Here's a, here's a great stat for you, Jordy. Bo Nix has thrown for 70% or better in seven of Oregon's nine games. And I mean, this kid was written off so many yes. times, and you got to love the fact that he went out there, hook, hooked up with Dan Lanning and his and his former coaches, and uh, he's playing well. I think it's I think that's it's a great. great story. Great, yep. great story. Maybe the albatross of his dad being a former Auburn Tiger was just too big, too much, too much. It was pre- tough. I, I don't know. It, it may have been so. Uh, so you think LSU beats Arkansas, but uh, do they do they cover the three? They they they, they tack on a late touchdown to cover the three. <laughs> oh, thanks for thanks for making me have four hours of um of uh, nervous anticipation there. But thank you, uh, Mr. College Football Tony Barnhart. I can't believe it. Week eleven. Here we go. I call for more chaos. I want three SEC teams because it just means more. That's what I want. It's not going to happen, but I want it. No, it's, it, it, it's, it's not going to happen, but Tennessee would, would have a very, very good case to make yeah. uh, if they finish 11-1. and one. Even though they got beat by Georgia. And even though, even though they got, beat, got by beat by Tennessee as the SEC champion, they got to put them in. Yeah. All well, right. one thing I, I might imagine, Georgia's pretty good. But you yeah. better keep that out. Well, I'm, just saying, I'm just saying it, it would be unbelievable – if LSU could do that. But let me tell you something. They got a quarterback, and with yep. that quarterback, they got a shot. That's all I'm saying. They got a shot. In this league or any league, if you got a quarterback, you got a chance. That's it. And if you don't have a quarterback, you don't have a chance. Tony, I'm just telling you, I, I, and I'll let you go on this one. On any level of football, high school, college, NFL, if you don't have a quarterback that can run around and make some plays with his legs, you're not going to win. That's right. The pocket passer is over. Even, even my man Stetson Bennett's out there running yes. around. You kidding me? Yes. You see that touchdown run he made? I my did. goodness gracious. Boy, your Georgia bias is coming out. Get out of here, man. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, have a good week, man. All right, my man. Be good. You're the best. Tony Barnhart, Mr. College Football and a true blue Georgia Bulldog. All right. Uh, let's see here. Uh, you can listen to – I can't believe I'm saying this, but it's. I guess we can. It's not even Thanksgiving, but you can listen to all your favorite – Christmas classics or local Cajun Christmas songs on the Louisiana Christmas Channel nonstop 24-7 on the Louisiana Christmas Channel. You can listen live at lachristmaschannel.com or download the free mobile app on both Apple and Android devices and listen on your Amazon Alexa. So listen to some holiday cheer 
with the Louisiana Christmas Channel. Back with more after this timeout here on the Jordy Helpert Show. A recent survey said that game listeners prefer our station than filing their taxes. Take that, taxes. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, we are back at 23 minutes after the hour. Shortly, we'll uh, take a break and we'll get Frank Schwab up here to talk about uh, this week's NFL NFL games. Um, again, LSU, Arkansas. Yes, it is. Um, it is an opportunity for um, for LSU to not uh, maybe play their best. Uh, it's all right. The whole key is. Can the defense figure out a way to slow down Arkansas's offense? Um, they have they have KJ Jefferson if he plays, Raheem Sanders the running back. Uh, it's always a power power running team. All right. Um, can LSU's defense step up to the plate like they have and continue? It, it, again, it's all between the ears mentally ready to go that is the key to this thing LSU's going to have some players out Arkansas is going to have some players it doesn't matter it doesn't matter the, the statistical numbers LSU scores 35 points a game Arkansas 32 LSU's defense gives up 22 Arkansas gives up 30 Arkansas gains more yards by f- about 45 yards per game they're equal when it comes to passing yards Rushing yards, Arkansas 233, LSU 183. But LSU's defense is better than Arkansas's, okay? Um, and a lot depends. Is K.J. Jefferson going to play? He's thrown for 1,981 yards, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. If not, Malik Hornsby will play. Um, so that's a big drop-off, obviously. Jaden Daniels, 1,994 yards, 14 touchdowns, and he really protects the ball. He's only thrown one interception. Both teams rely on their quarterbacks to run the football. Jaden Daniels run for 619 yards and 10 touchdowns. K.J. Jefferson, 425 yards, six touchdowns. Um, but this Sanders cat, pretty darn good. He's averaging 6.4 yards per carry. He's got 1,101 yards on the season on 173 carries. And he's got seven touchdowns. So they've got two running backs that have they're running back in their quarterback that both have run for over a hundred attempts. Sanders 173, Jefferson 117. Jaden Daniels by far has more running attempts than anybody else on LSU. He's got 131 attempts. The next one is Josh Williams at 73. So both teams rely on their quarterbacks to do an awful, awful lot. An awful lot. Um, no really outstanding standout above anybody else type of wide receiver. Both teams utilize a whole slew. LSU's got one, two, three, four, five receivers with 20 or more catches. Arkansas's got two. So um, both teams spread the ball around a lot. So this is all about the mental aspect, and it's a key to the injury report um, here. Look. Arkansas would love nothing more than to put um, 
a big X on this LSU football season. LSU, so much more to play for. But they've got to focus here on the here and now. They can't be listening to people like me and you and talking about getting to Atlanta in the SEC championship. That's a long, long, long way away. This will be a true measure of the buy-in and the motivating skills and the, the work ethic of this club and this coaching staff. Easy to coach an LSU team when they're playing Alabama at home in front of 102,000 people at night, national television. Easy. You don't have to worry about them being mentally ready to go the week after. It's always a very physical game. But this LSU football team is in shape. They have a big picture. They do a year-round program. I mean, they're in great physical condition. Now, are they going to be mentally into it well, that's why they got to get off to a good start in this thing they got to throw the first punch they do that arkansas is not gonna quit and there is a reason why this point spread is so small in arkansas lsu favored by three hmm the wise guys so we shall see much more we'll have our picks tomorrow on our football friday edition so stay tuned we'll take a quick time out here time for the schwab to enter in another week of nfl games can the saints get a win in pittsburgh can they get a win in pittsburgh we'll talk about that and much much more when we return to the jordy helper show here on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles your home for those lsu tigers and the world series champion houston astros stay with us they say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we are back. Uh, It's Thursday, and we've got NFL football tonight. Falcons at the Panthers with the Falcons a a two-and-a-half-point favorite as they are at the top of the uh, NFC South along with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We've got a new coach in Indy. It's always stuff going on in the NFL, and nobody follows it better or knows more about it than our good friend Frank Schwab from Yahoo Sports. Frank, welcome to another week in the unpredictability that is the NFL. How are you? Hey, you could say that again. Uh, yeah, nothing. We we don't know anything anymore. It's it's crazy how this league changes. What are your thoughts of Jeff Saturday um, going to Indianapolis as their interim coach? I, shock. I, I mean, I just you know I've been covering this league. This is twenty two years now. You know, obviously I've been watching it my whole life. I can't remember a more out of left field hire. Like it just doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's, you know, I saw the stat that you know the last time somebody was hired with zero experience like this was I think 1961. Norm Van Brocklin. Somebody threw that out there. I believe it. I mean, it's it's one of those moves that you know. I mean, there's so many layers to it. I don't know why. One of them is the Rooney Rule. Like we got to talk about that. Like. Here's a guy, you know, I mean, black assistant coaches have, have been frustrated for years that they don't get chances, right. that 
that they just get passed over. And, you know, here's Jeff Saturday, who has literally no experience, none. Right. And here he just gets past the velvet rope, and he's going to coach a team for half a season. And, and Ursay's talking about how he wants him to be the permanent coach. I, you know, and I, it's everybody's pointed this out by now, but Reggie Wayne's right there on staff. If you're just going to, like, hire somebody who's a kind of a team legend, and he's already the receiver's coach. He knows the roster. Yeah. Why not give him a chance instead of Jeff Saturday? Like, I don't know. I think that another part of this, too, is I actually, I mean, that said, I actually don't mind teams going really outside of the box with their coaching hire because for years and years and years, the NFL teams have kind of done the same exact thing, which is usually wrong, which is they just find a coordinator off of a top five unit, offense or defense, and they say, wow, that guy can really call plays. And then they bring him in. They find out that the coach is overwhelmed by calling plays and coaching the game, like Nathaniel Hackett is now, because it's a hard job. Like, Sean Payton is one of the few guys who can do it. So they say, okay, well, I'm giving up play calling, and then it's like, well, why are you the head coach? Your only strength was calling plays. So I'm all in favor of kind of a motivator, leader, CEO type of head coach. Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh are two of the best coaches in the NFL, two of the best coaches in decades in the NFL. They're Neither one are coordinators. They're great leaders. They know the game. They delegate. They're, they're really good at that role. So I don't necessarily mind just hiring somebody completely like who's not like the cookie cutter. Hey, this guy's the offensive coordinator off the third rank offense in the in the NFL. But this particular hire is so weird that I don't know. It's going to be. It makes the Colts absolutely fascinating over the rest of the season. Whereas if and they would have there, just promoted John Fox, nobody would have cared. There's the reason Jim Ursay did it. People are talking about he can't yeah. lose if if if. Jeff Saturday becomes a great coach. Look, I told you so. And if he doesn't, well, I knew he didn't have any experience. He's just an interim guy. Can't lose. Can't lose. I, and I do agree with that. I absolutely do. I think that, you know, whatever. Like, it's this is the time, and I don't think teams do this enough, where you have half of a season left. Just let it, let it, let it rip. Who cares? Yes. Like, you are already so bad that you fired your coach. What do you have to lose? Like, just this is the time for experimenting. This is the time for if if Jim Irsay wants to take a shot on Jeff Saturday, he sees something in him. Whatever, I don't agree with it, but whatever, do it. Why not? What have you got? You go zero and eight the rest of the season. Just means he's got a better draft pick. There's no pressure on Jeff Saturday. And who all the pressure's on? Josh McDaniel, because that's who Indy plays this <laughs> yeah. week. That's who the pressure's on. I'd like to be the you coach are. to lose to a guy that never coached in the NFL. You are a hundred percent right about that. Absolutely, I, I couldn't agree more. It, yeah, he, all right, let's get to some games here. Game. Uh, Falcons that, at the Panthers tonight. Like, another. If you lose ooh, a game, like I don't think he would, but he'd have to at least be like, "Oh my goodness, I got the wrong coach. I just lost to a guy who seven days ago had never been a head coach on any high level before. It was the seventh yeah. stand of job, and he beat Josh McDaniels. How could this happen? So yes, I think I think you're absolutely right about that. Who do you like between the Falcons and the Panthers? Another scintillating Amazon Prime Thursday nighter. <laughs> um, I do like uh, I, I do like the Falcons. I guess there's going to be weather involved here. I mean, they, they, you know, the kind of remnants of the hurricane that's down going down there. Going to be rainy. It could be, but you know, everybody. I you know, I've heard people. Oh my goodness, what a terrible game. People don't realize, I guess, that two weeks ago, this team played maybe the best game in the NFL all season. 37-34 in overtime. The yeah. DJ Moore took off his helmet game. A fascinating game, actually. It was really, really entertaining. So I hope we get some of that. I do think the Falcons win just because 
I don't know. The, the Panthers hadn't been as bad as they were before last week, but my goodness, were they bad last week. They were just uh, horrendous. I mean, you're down 35 zip at halftime and earned every bit of that. So I wonder if they ran out of gas a little bit. I'll take the Falcons. All right. Um, Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. Uh, first time in Germany does the NFL venture. Um, that's an 8.30 a.m. Central Time start as the Seattle Seahawks entertain the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Seattle um, playing much better than people thought. Maybe the best thing for Tampa Bay and Tom Brady is to get out of town, get out of the country, go somewhere else. Um, Tampa Bay's two-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you think? Yeah, and look, I look at it this way. You cannot tell me one stat, record, whatever you want to tell me that tells me Tampa Bay is a better team than Seattle. And again, I'll say this. I don't know how we got here. Like, I don't know how Geno Smith became one of the five best quarterbacks in football. I don't know how Pete Carroll's managed to basically rebuild in in one offseason. I don't know, but the facts are the facts. And the Seattle Seahawks are better than Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do not get why the Buccaneers are favored in this game. I have no idea. It's a neutral site. You know, I mean, I, I guess there's less travel for the Buccaneers, but whatever. What's the difference between 10 hours on a flight and 7 hours on a flight? Well, who cares? Like, it's it's still a long way. I, I take Seattle all day here. I, I think that they're feeling good about themselves. They're confident. They're, everybody watching that Buccaneers-Rams game because we were kind of stuck yeah. with it. Everybody saw how bad the Buccaneers were. For 59 minutes, they could not move the ball at all. They had one drive. Yeah. Great for them. Yeah. It was fun. It was a great, great story. But that doesn't mean their offense is fixed. I'm all about, uh, I'm all about the Seahawks here. I just think they're a better team. You know, worst, the worst team wins in the NFL a lot, but make yeah. no mistake, if, if Tampa Bay wins this game, it meant the worst team won. Like, it, they are the worst team in this matchup, as surprising as that would have been to come out of my mouth two months ago. Frank Schwab with us. This should be the best game of the week, but so much depends upon uh, a quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. Is Josh Allen going to be able to play against the Minnesota Vikings in Buffalo with Buffalo a three-and-a-half-point favorite in this one? If Allen doesn't play, it's Case Keenum. Um, So what do you think? Yeah, and I don't think Allen's going to play. I just He didn't practice today. They've been very secretive. Everything's pointing to Case Keenum being a quarterback in this game, but that doesn't that doesn't mean I'm off of the Bills. I, I think the Bills okay. are a really, really good football team, and I think Case Keenum's going to do okay. Like he's one of the he's got some experience. He's not great, but he's not a zero as your backup quarterback. They invest in that spot. They they like to circle you know cycle guys in who can can play for them if they have to. And I think the Bills are the best defense in the NFL, or at least up there. Vikings are kind of just you know, squeaking by every single week. I think what you do is, is you wait till Josh Allen is ruled out, which I think he will be. Spread's going to go down to like two and a half, two, one, whatever it's going to go down to. That's when you take the Bills. I think they still win this game. I do. I, I think that everybody's going to freak out. Oh, my goodness, Case Keenum. Well, I, I, I think he'll be good enough to get the ball to Stephon Diggs and those guys, and the defense is going to carry the day. And I think the Bills rally around Case Keenum and win. But I mean, this Josh Allen injury is no laughing matter. I mean, yeah. if you're if you're a Bills fan, you've been waiting all your life for Super Bowl victory, and yeah. you thought this was a season. Uh, my panic level would be ten out of ten. I just when you hear UCL, you know, yeah. it's never really a good sign for guys who throw for a living. I am with you. Uh, Jacksonville's at Kansas City. The Chiefs are nine and a half point favorites. They barely beat the Titans in overtime Sunday night. The Jags coming off a comeback win over the Raiders. Seems like the Jags play a lot of close games. Nine and a half? That sounds like a lot to me. 
Yeah, and I just think every Chiefs game has a higher line than it should. I mean, the Chiefs don't cover a lot of, and their against the spread record is not great uh, for as great as Patrick Mahomes is. So I'll take the points. I usually will against the Chiefs. Yeah. I did last week. It worked out fine. I mean, it's it's all the you know. It, look, Patrick Mahomes is awesome. The Chiefs are very good. They're much much better than the Jaguars, but. Look, I mean, if we learn nothing else about the NFL this season, look to the underdog first. And you might be taking some teams where you're like, how in the world are they going to cover this spread? Like Titans last week with Malik Willis at quarterback. But yeah. that's the NFL, man. The NFL yeah. is, is one of those <laughs> leagues where weird things happen every week. Teams who we think, quote-unquote, aren't, you know, stink, they, they'll come up and, and play a good game. So, yep, I'll, I'll take the Jaguars and the points just because I, I think more often than not the uh, – Going against the Chiefs is going to work out for you. Frank Schwab, Yahoo Sports. I keep waiting for the, um, the the clock to strike 12 and Cinderella turns back into the maid and the pumpkin, you know, the whole carriage turns into a pumpkin. But they're six-and-a-half-point favorites at home against the Texans. I don't, Giants, I mean, I'm, I'm taking the Giants coming off a bye. Uh, the Texans played late Thursday. I, give, give, me, give me the Giants. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how how legit the Giants are, but I know they're better than the Texans. <laughs> I know the Texans are very good, <laughs> and the Texans played hard against the Eagles last week. But you can kind of see that one coming. I don't think they go on the road and give the Giants much of a game. I just, yeah, yeah I don't love the idea of of the Giants at five and a half, six, whatever the line's up to now. But uh, it, the Giants are a much better team. That, that's which, just which team? To it. Which team is more sustainable in the second half, the Giants or the New York Jets? Who, who, I think who it's the Jets. I, I really do. I think the Jets' defense, uh, out of all the you know, I mean, uh, units between those two teams, I think the Jets' defense is the one that really stands out. Their offense okay. is very good. Their quarterback's not very good, but uh, you know, and I like the Giants' coaching. I, I think they've done a great job. I, 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 it's a fun story. It really is. But when push comes to shove, uh, yeah, I think the Jets are, are you can, can keep stringing wins together just because that defense is really legit. All right, Saints coming off a terrible performance against the Ravens. My God, they struggled yeah, all over the place. Yeah. I mean, it was bad in that building. Steelers trying to get their first victory for Kenny Pickett as a starter. Uh, Saints are favored by a point and a half. What do you think? I I, I just think the Steelers aren't very good at all. Like I, so I'll take the Saints, but you're right. I. It, Boy, Monday night had to be so disheartening for Saints fans. I mean, God, you come off awful. the win against the Raiders, you think, oh, maybe the defense has unlocked some things. The Ravens have so many injuries. There were, I swear, Jordy, I'm, I'm, I, like cover, I cover the league, I study the league, uh, whatever. There's about four times on Monday night when somebody caught the ball, and I'm like, who the heck is that? I, I just yes. had no idea. I'm like, yes. oh, that's right. They signed Deshaun Jackson a few weeks ago. Yes. Like, I, I just, I was, I was stunned at the guys who Lamar Jackson was throwing to, and yeah. they somehow – pounded the Saints, and that's really, really troubling. I mean, if you're a Saints fan, but I'm with you. The, the Steelers are bad. The Steelers are just a bad football team. I don't know. I don't have a lot of confidence in the Saints. I can't say that, but I will pick them just because okay. it's more I just don't have any faith in the Steelers at all. All right, the Dallas Cowboys go on the road to Lambeau Field, and the looks like the dysfunctional grit. Now, you know, Aaron Rodgers is critical of his wide receivers. Now, apparently, the wide receivers are critical of the quarterback. They just, they're just there. Ooh, I've never seen a, t- a team fall so precipitously as they have. Cowboys are five point road favorites. 
man, this seems like a, a chance for the Cowboys to really just beat them up. What do you think? You'd think so, but I, I'll say this about the Packers. They were on the road three straight weeks. That's tough. That's a tough spot to be in. Yeah, uh, They do look broken. I can't lie about that. Like, I mean, when you're scoring nine points against this Lions defense, you, you really have some issues. Like, there's no doubt about it. I do think they uh, – look, if they have anything left this season, they'll play hard this week. That's a lot. This line has moved a ton since the start of the season, obviously. I'll yeah. take the Packers. Just as like I was talking before, every time we think we got this thing figured out, teams that we write off have these out of nowhere performances. I can't tell you that you know the X's and O's of why the Packers are going to cover in this game. The Cowboys are clearly a better team, but I'll go with the Packers just kind of on the assumption that weird things happen in the NFL, and, and we're going to see what happens. Do you think this is the swan song for Aaron Rodgers? I mean, who can afford what what they had to pay him? Um, and he's up into his late thirties, early forties, when, you know, when his contract runs out, um, it just seems like this marriage is coming to an end, man. It just doesn't seem like it works. I, I agree. I, I mean, I just don't know though. I mean, I don't think they can, I haven't looked at the contract to be honest with you, but I don't think they can just straight up cut him. Like so, 50 something million a year, 50. Yeah, I know. I, if Aaron Rodgers wants to come back and make that money, which I assume he does, then what do you do? Like, I, he he's back. There you go. So I, I don't know. It's it's a it's a rough spot for them to be in, though. I mean, it, and I don't know that Rodgers is incapable. I, I don't think he's 2015 Peyton Manning or Ben Roethlisberger last year, or you know, to mm-hmm. that level yet. But it's to the point where he, he needs a good team around him, and I don't know if they've built a good enough team around him. They. You know, they kind of went, I think they went into the season thinking, well, we're going to invest in the defense and the running game, and, and Aaron's going to make everybody better around him in the passing game, and he's just not that guy anymore. No, I'm with you. Arizona at the L.A. Rams. Uh, the Rams are three-point favorites. The Rams haven't played well all year, but Arizona hadn't been much better. Um, I thought the Rams' offense would be much better, but they aren't because they don't have a really good offensive line at all. Um, so you tell me who wins this one. You know, I mean, one thing we got to keep an eye on is Matthew Stafford just popped up suddenly on the concussion protocol yesterday. Yeah. So we'll see. If it's not Stafford, then I don't know how they compete. I really don't. I mean, they're barely competing with Stafford. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll take the Rams, assuming Stafford plays, because Arizona's just a bad football team. They're bad. Are they? If the Rams have, I mean, if the Rams lose at home to the Arizona Cardinals, Oof. this really will be the worst defending Super Bowl champion of our of ever. <laughs> like, I think the record. I looked this up. I wrote about it this week. I think six and ten. It was the '99 Broncos. Uh, L.A. retired. Terrell Davis got hurt. I believe week one or week two. Yeah, that's uh, the right. wheels just kind of fell off for them. But that's worse. Six and ten. If the Rams can't beat the Arizona Cardinals at home this week, they're going to be worse than six and ten this year. I mean, it's already wow. trending that way, and this is kind of last call. If you lose this game, you're done. You're just you're not going anywhere. Your season's not getting any better, and that's possible. They really, man, they've been bad this season. They they really look just they're one of those teams. One of those teams in the NFL looks absolutely broken right now. Give me your top three teams in the NFC. Right here, right now, in the NFC. I think Eagles, are, by far the Eagles and Cowboys. Yeah. I, I think, like, everybody's kind of, I mean, Eagles is, I mean, if you're taking anybody above the Eagles, you're kind of just being a contrarian. Exactly. It starts at number two, and everybody wants to downgrade the Cowboys, and I don't know why. Like, they're winning games at Cooper Rush. Like, I mean, this yeah. is a really good team. This is a really, really good football team. And I think number three is the 49ers. I, I, yeah. it, it's, I mean, not, not that I'm alone on, on that island, but right. I think everybody can kind of see here's the talent. Like, w- the defense 
can be the best in the NFL at this really strength. Really good, right. The right. offense let's go could to the, be let's, awesome. Let's go to the AFC. Debo. Give me your top yeah. three teams in that league. That's harder. I, I mean, I'll assume Josh Allen comes back sometime okay. soon. I, I mean, it, obviously, it changes. Josh Allen's done for six weeks of the season, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, then this changes. But the Bills, to me, are still the best team in football. I, I don't yeah. – I, I just, yeah, that was a bad loss last week to the Jets, and they're still prone to that. I don't know why, but overall, I still think they're the best team in football. The Chiefs are number two. I don't, I, I don't see any way around that. But I think Ravens right now are easily number three. I, I think like Ravens. The, Ravens. Yeah. They, the one stat that I keep talking about, and I think I've talked about it with you, and, and everybody might scoff at it and say, "Who cares?" They have led every single game this season by double digits. Every yeah. single game they've been up by double digits. Now they blew three of those leads, and that's not good. <laughs> that's not what you want, but. <laughs> That tells me this team has a dominant trait to them, and they can get up on you, and they can, you know, I mean, they can they can really play at that level week in and week out. One last one, because it's my favorite thing with you. Philadelphia on Monday night is favored by 11 over the Commanders. That's a double-digit spread. Yeah. Philadelphia, nobody stopped them yet. Do the Commanders cover the eleven? Oh, you know, you know, I love taking those double digit. Like every time we have a double digit NFL underdog, yeah. I'm looking at that double digits and and trying to get it. The Commanders really pushing it to the limit, though. This is a <laughs> this is really not a good Commanders team. And man, Daniel Snyder had even more trouble. But that's on the, yeah. the, the upper level. I don't think that hits the players much. They'll just find a way to cover. Like we, we saw it last week with the Titans and the Texans. It just happens. And by, and by the way, before we go, like apologies to picking Alabama last week. You're an LSU Tigers. Well, Look at that. You know, it's, uh, Look at we've that. Got the, we've got the closest thing to Lamar uh, Jackson. I'm telling you, this Jaden Daniels kid, Yeah, he's getting he's much fun. better as a passer, and he can run like crazy. I'm telling you, there's a little bit of comps there. There, there's he. That was a fun game. I'll tell you that a heck of a win. Uh, I mean, that kind of solidifies Brian Kelly as hey, you know, if you, I don't care how you do it. Alabama saw has all those four star, five star guys. If you can beat Alabama, yeah. you're doing things right. A heck of a win. A heck of a win for that program. Frank Schwab, death taxes and double digit NFL <laughs> bets. I love it, Frank. Thank you. Have a great week. Absolutely, I appreciate it. <laughs> we'll we'll take a timeout. We'll come back and wrap it all up here on the Jordy Helpert Show. All right, we got to get out of here because we're up against the clock. Special thanks to our guest, Corey Diaz. Come on, Cajuns, get that dub tonight against Georgia Southern. Sheldon Mickles talking LSU hoops. Billy Embody talking LSU basketball recruiting, both men and women. Tony Barnhart of uh, Mr. College Football going around the SEC and Frank Schwab with all of his NFL picks. Very special birthdays today. Two former LSU football coaches share November 10th as their birthday. Uh, Bring back the magic. Jerry DiNardo is 70 years old today. And the grass-eating Mad Hatter, Les Miles, is 69. Where is, you know, where is Waldo? Somebody find him. Somebody tell me, where is Les Miles now? Where is he? James, thank you so much. Tomorrow, a fun-filled football Friday. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Partners, well, we couldn't do it without you. So come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles.